as we come back into the workplace, we have a chance, a gift, if you will, that doesn't often come our way. And we shouldn't get it wrong. So we need to do a lot. There needs to be a lot of discussion and experimentation, trial and error going on, because we have a one-off chance to recalibrate the office in a way that hasn't happened, I would say, for 30 odd years. Hello and welcome to the Wonder Podcast. It's your host, CCB, with another conversation that will certainly make you think. Today, we're very, very lucky to have with us two of our friends from Orange Box, a furniture manufacturer in the UK who has an incredibly long history of supporting their design with research that goes into enormous detail. Today with us, we have Jerry Taylor, who is a creative director with an incredibly long history in the design world that we're going to ask him to share a bit of, and Nathan Hurley, who is their director of research. Jerry, Nathan, welcome to the Wonder Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us, Carolyn. We really appreciate it. Excellent. All right, Jerry, how about you spend a little tiny bit of time and introduce us to how, what brought you to this place where you are today? So I'm GT. How's that? CC. That's nice. That's nice and succinct. Um, I'm a designer and I've been a designer for a very long time. And what I love about being a designer is it gets better as your career progresses. And um, I spend as much of my time thinking and writing now as I do designing. Why? Um, because I think we're living in a period that, first of all, there's too much design. There's too many, although sometimes when you travel around and you think, really? <laughs> We've got too many brilliant architects looking at mediocre. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, and um, the reason I'm saying that is because I, I, I think we live in a period of saturation, saturation of choice. And I think when you design, you're, you're talking as much about narrative and the purpose of as you are of the piece of itself. And we're also living in a time where you can have a 500 pound vase sitting beside a $20 vase. And we, sh we, we, don't, we don't make any distinctions anymore. Those hierarchies have gone. What's important is the narrative that has those two vases sitting beside each other within your house. And I believe that's the same within office furniture in, in the sector that we're working in. Yes, my career goes back a long way. One of the prides of my career was last year or the year before. Doesn't time fly? But Sotheby's had a sale of all of David Bowie's um, collection. And I discovered he had three of my lights, which I thought, Yay! So if ever there was an accolade, forget any design awards. The fact that David Bowie was living with three of my objects probably is one of the highlights of my career, which brings me to today. To I, I've been working with Orange Box for a, a decade more since the beginning of Orange Box. And we're having a great time. You know, we're now part of the Steelcase family and we're still having a great time. It's, it's, a, it's a story that doesn't seem to stop. 
And I think it doesn't seem to stop because we pride ourselves on being a collection of individuals. And what we try to do is to give each other the space to have fun and achieve, you know, that, that comes down from me, you know, our CEO. And yeah, I, and I actually, I mean, we'll come on to this during the discussion. I actually think we're now entering one of the best periods for me in office design because of the dramatic consequence of this global epidemic and how it's changing all of our lives. And, you know, the, the, the idea of the black swan, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, a few years ago when Tad wrote that book, we thought, yeah, maybe, and now it's coming on a weekly basis, it seems. Lots so of black swans. That, that, that's, that's how I fit into this picture. Excellent. And Nathan? Well, as you can hear, the, the sort of passion and the intelligence that, that Jerry brings to the team um, really just makes the business of Orange Box really magnetic. Um, and really, I found myself, I found myself working for Orange Box since I was 14 years old. Um, so when I was still in school, the sort of proximity to the business um, for me uh, back in South Wales in the United Kingdom um, meant that I got to touch the business um, on my school holidays and I would do a few months here and a few months there. And I sort of eventually started to climb the ladder and I, I came into contact um, with, with Jerry and, and the design team. And that was such just a, a, a rich um, kind of tapestry of skills in their team. And it's really quite, as I mentioned, magnetic. And so Jerry took me under his wing and we started working on some um, fabulous projects together, research projects. And um, I did leave for a moment in time. Um, I was working for a branding consultancy. Um, I was doing some sort of trend mapping um, trying to understand how uh, consumers are behaving, um, certainly in, in young markets, uh, startup businesses. And, and now I'm back with Orange Box and focusing on behaviors in space um, uh, and interior architecture and how people are moving and, uh, and feeling in environments. And so it's a wonderful organization to be working for. Um, they give you the room to grow and to control your own projects. And that's just um, wonderful for somebody um, like me learning their craft. Thank you so much. So the, um, there's such a richness in the uh, um, topics that we could discuss, but I wanted to start with, I'm going to start with Jerry and the article that you wrote about why the death of the office is a new myth in the making, because I think it begins to wrap around a number of the conversations that we'd like to have. Well, I, I think also it, it comes back to this idea of, we're now about to begin to redefine for me what the workplace is about because we've come through a scenario where very rapidly we were scattered to the winds. We were all working from home because we had to be. And what's amazing is that, uh, thank goodness it happened now and not five years ago because technology has enabled us to achieve this and achieve it with consequence, not to achieve it in an insignificant way. The consequence of that is that um, we have to really reappraise why are we coming into offices in the quantities that we were doing so previously. I mean, I always, I always like to use the idea, we always believe we're smart cookies, right? And I've, I've often given presentations to point out that actually we, we might not be as smart as, as we think we are. 
And the way we, 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 we were overusing cities, for example, is a perfect example of this. Um, San Francisco suffers this as, as probably more than most. There's too many people wanting to be in the city. There's too many people commuting in and out of the city. And the, the, the fresh blood that give the vitality organizations are being priced out of the cities. They can't afford to live in these cities. So here we were, and whenever you go globally, it's the same phenomenon. Too many people coming into the cities. And you know what? We can't even regulate when we're coming in. We can't stagger it because we, we all come in in this time and we all leave in that time. And now we're starting to look at that with the clarity that um, remote working has given us and saying, this, this is idiotic. Why have we allowed ourselves to do this when we're actually, through the last five months, we have proven that we don't need to behave. Even architects, architects and lawyers are now lawyers who have always said that the domain, the privacy, the security of the office is sacrosanct. They are now actually saying we can work quite successfully remotely. At the same time, we all know that we have an environmental catastrophe over the hill if we're not, if we're not paying super, if we're not super attentive to this. And what I think is this is now a gift that we've been given. We've been given a gift of solving part of the screw up environmentally by not needing to commute as much as we were all indulging in commuting. And therefore, the office building, in my opinion, is, is up for grabs, it's up for redefining. Because if we're not all coming into the office, the, 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 the volume needs, the, the dynamics that we were indulging in 2019, I suggest don't need to be the dynamics of 2021. But the office has to become a new proposition because we can't, you don't build DNA by being scattered in separate places. The DNA comes from all of those fabulous interactions that happen within a building, a building that's reflective of the culture of the people within that organization and why they're in that place. So um, I think now it's, Clients know, I mean, so many global CEOs are saying the same thing. You know, Zuckerberg said with Facebook, projecting forward maybe 10 years down the line, at least 50% of our employees can be working remotely. And then all the cultural changes and, and all the societal changes, you know, the, the kind of clothes that we used to buy will change as well. And, and feel sorry for, you know, that, yes, I mean, Pajamas will take on a completely new um, fashion. Band. There's a whole spread of you know that leisure wear making its uh, its a giant resurgence, and there are many many people who have closets full of very expensive shoes that are frightened to death they will never wear them again. So that's going to bring us really to the people. That so we've talked about the broadest um, the broadest concept of this, and then. The, the need for narrative and the need for narrative is there because that's how people relate and that's how we connect. So Nathan, how about if you spend a little bit of time and talk about the, the work that you've been doing on the impact on the younger people that have been coming into the office or that may want to come into some form of office someday. Sure. I think that's, that's really important to, to really consider the younger people. Um, I mean, I was just reading this morning um, so as we enter the 
uh, so we, as we begin to enter the beginning of October, uh, the end of September 2020, 44% of young people polled 16 to 24 year olds in the United Kingdom um, have given up on their dream job. They've, give, they've given up on that, on that sort of chasing of, the, of their ambitions and their goals, 16 to 24 year olds. And so we do have to really consider, and this is a generation as well that we bracket, um, we call them iGen. Um, the internet generation. Uh, generations are defined by um, primarily two things, parenting styles um, and usually a technological innovation within your lifetime. So the reason we call them iGen is because they're, they're children of the internet, you know, instant access to information at any time. Um, but what we've been tracking is that that causes all sorts of, uh, of, of, of mental health issues for our young people. And this really isn't going to help. Um, and I think the reason why that statistic is so high at 44% um, is really, really troubling. It's something that we're going to have to deal with. But you mentioned the, the um, sort of about narratives uh, about people. Uh, and that's really they're the heart of this story. And at Orange Box, um, Jerry, Jim and I have been working on a wonderful project called the Hula Hoop Office. And so this is our post-COVID and pre-vaccine um, workplace project. And um, really... At a knee-jerk, we, we, we recognize that um, other storytellers, um, estates, management organizations, were, were being a little bit downbeat. And at Orange Box, we like to sort of look at the lighter side of life. And, and we felt that this hula hoop was a, a wonderful hearts and minds project, really, to get us to start to think about um, how we can bring people back into workplace with a, um, a vitality. With a, with a new energy and with some positivity? How can we change the angle of approach in regards to the tone of voice that's currently circulating, some of that negativity? And the hula hoop's a wonderful way uh, that we can think about that because um, when the craze first swept across uh, the States in the 60s, um, not only was it obviously incredibly fun, but um, it was really democratic because it really captured a, a nice spectrum of society. Um, whether you're in a ballet studio in New York, whether you're in a nightclub in Detroit, or whether you were in a schoolyard in California, it really captured this kind of real spectrum of society. And that's in really reflective of, of what we're going to need to um, sort of replicate, because there's one, there needs to be one rule for all, really, when we try and build that story of coming back into our space. It's not just our juniors and our graduates, it's our CEOs as well. So this new behavioral contract that we're going to need to be signed up for when we move back into our space needs to be bought in by all. So imagine it that, that um, Carolyn and Jerry and I, we're all, we've all got our hula hoop working it away around our waist. And it's just a wonderful way in which we can adhere to these new um, social distancing measures and, and behavioral contracts. So it's a, it's a great project that we're working on. There are lots of accessories that our design team have been um, using as a springboard off the back of it. Um, so it's a great project that we put together. And Jerry was a, a really key integral part of that project. So, Jerry, when you're talking about, I let Nathan take the, uh, the ball with uh, young people, but we still have numerous generations that will be in the work environment. And I'm going to say work environment because we are recognizing very clearly, as you pointed out, that there's going to be, there must be a new way of the blend of remote work and together work. And where does that together work take place? So when you think about 
pulling together or creating or watching that new space evolve, what are you thinking about the way that the new work environment in its breadth will play out? I think in, in the eight reasons um, the, the, that article, we're only as good as what we can remember. And I think maybe now more than certainly before um, with five, six months of absence, we're actually in a better position to judge the real values of the office environment. When you wear something day in and day out, familiarity breeds contempt, you, you, you lose the, 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 the real values of what you have. And I think we have a chance and we mustn't lose this chance. As we come back into the workplace, we have a chance, a gift, if you will, that doesn't often come our way and we shouldn't get it wrong. So we need to do a lot, there needs to be a lot of discussion and experimentation, trial and error going on, because we have a one-off chance to re recalibrate the office in a way that hasn't happened, I would say, for 30 odd years. We really have to use this time with intelligence and with insight. Um, and all the, we know that the biggest thing, um, this, we, we are sharing a screen now and we're on different continents, which is in itself beautiful, but those personal things of five people sitting around the table and you can see that someone's, that they're not quite right from, and then you, you say, those, those dynamics of human interaction are fundamental to a good life, fundamental to a good work life. So what we have to try to ensure is as we come back into the workplace and as we recalibrate the dynamics of that workplace, please let's get right the hierarchies of the where's and the why's of why we're coming in. Because we've actually proven that so much work is actually done better remotely. So we don't need to bring the better work remotely into the work environment. So what do we do when we come in? Then it's got to be all of these dynamics about the relationships between people within organizations. And if we're only in two days a week, three days a week, I think we might be much more circumspect about how we use our time together. What's the point of this? Because I'm not going to see you until next Thursday. Let's make sure that we do this. And then conversely, once we start to do that, we could back story, backfill into working remotely and make that experience more rich as well. So um, yeah, I, I think now's a thinking time. I think now's a thinking time and now's a discussion time and now's a time for a little bit more experimentation than perhaps what we've done before. And as a, as a designer, I would absolutely I mean, years ago, I used to be de designing quite a, a lot of retail stores. And I always tried to say to the client, could we just design 70% of it <laughs> and we'll leave 30% because you can never get it right. No one has ever got it 100% right. Well, some people do, some brilliant designers get hotels that you walk into and you say, yeah, wouldn't touch a thing. But generally, um, you always want to leave space for change and evolution. And that's fundamental, I think, to um, what we're about as a company. 
That's what smart working is about. And we've got a whole new bandwidth of product coming through called campers and dens. And I think that can really fundamentally redefine this idea of if we're in a, a, a period of flux and change, why build fixed architecture? That's a question we've asked. And I think with this product bandwidth, I think it's a, 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 a question we've found quite a good answer to. So when you talk about the uh, getting it right and why would you come, why would anyone come back into the, the workplace that is not the home workplace? So if we're talking about the office, if that's what the title is going to be, um, there's also been an enormous amount of conversation about innovation and collaboration. So Jerry, you raised the issue of the five people sitting around the table where you actually can see and play off of one another, but there's also the serendipity of overhearing and participating in conversations. So a number of, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal just recently talk, that was interviewing a number of CEOs. And regardless of the industry that they were involved in, there was that concern about collaboration, innovation, creativity, and how can we, how can we manage that or harness it when we're distributed? So it begs the question, will that be what the office is for? And then what does that mean for, from a design perspective, if at all there is any concern? What do you think about that? That's, in, yeah, that's really interesting, Carolyn. Those moments of, as you mentioned, osmosis between team members, between generations, um, sharing knowledge up and down your organization is incredibly important. And architects and interior designers and product designers will try and facilitate that at any point. And those are the moments that are really celebrated about place. Um, I think we're simply just going to have to celebrate them and focus upon them uh, even more. Because as we take away some of the subsidiary things like um, focused work. Jerry mentioned just a little earlier that um, you know we're doing better types of work at home, and you know focused individual um, isolated work being one of them. Um, and so we really need to focus on a space that facilitates learning, facilitates that that sort of um, transfer of knowledge. That's going to be really important, certainly for our for our young people. But we let's not forget we are pieces of meat. And so over the last sort of 20 years or so, technology has allowed us as a piece of meat to go from a battery hen to a free range chicken. We, we, we've sort of, as designers, as, as, as thinkers, we've been able to really focus our spaces on, on kind of facilitating people and connecting them, not just really dumb bits of, uh, of wood or metal and, and furniture. And we just really need to continue that journey. Um, I, I'm, I'm running with a little project at the moment called Data Driven Design, all about how we're going to be utilizing um, all these data points that we've been capturing in our spaces, and then the algorithm's going to throw out this wonderful new space for us to work in. Well, that's some, we need to be careful there, because we are those pieces of, 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 of me, and, and we need to focus on the human um, and, and that osmosis that you've talked about. So it's something that we do need to center on and, and, and as Jerry said, a real moment in time for us to pause, reflect, and hopefully get that right as we move forward. Back to Jerry, the, the nature of the, uh, 
the positive, um, open, clean slate almost that you have to think now about what might that what might that workplace look like and how might it function? Uh, you're a brilliant thinker <laughs> when it comes to lots of things, uh, and and your ability to to marry the humanity and the place is uh you know is is very demonstrated and i'm wondering how you what you are actually thinking what are you thinking about today well, one thing that concerns me is that the, the discussion we were having before we came online um, i'm a boomer and to be honest i've never been happier in my work since lockdown you know I'm, i have a lovely house in the country i have a studio in london and i've only been to london twice since march um, and it, it works fabulously for me. And I'm coming towards the end of my career. Flip that to me beginning my career. And the whole point of being young and being effervescent is that you're firing on all cylinders and you want influence, influence, influence. I want to see, I need to see, how do you, how do, you do this? One fundamental thing we have to do as a, as a generation, perhaps more, in a position of control, we have to ensure that we yield new dynamics and new mechanisms for young people to come into the privileges that we all experienced when our careers started. And I think that's something that we can't afford to get wrong. It's all very well for me to say, yes, as a boomer, I love being remote three days a week and I'll come into the organization two days a week. If you're a young person, you, you're so hungry for being mentored and observing and learning. So we're going to have to set up completely new systems within our organizations to allow that to happen. And the other issue is um, to, 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 to do with um, the well-being. Absent, you, you know, if you're absent, will I be thought of in the same way as someone who's in the office four days a week. So the way we, we share trust and openness, that dynamic is going to come under pressure in a new way for all um, assets within an organization. Because everyone, we have to set up new mechanisms so that everyone feels that they are a valued contributor to this team, to this part of the company too. So how do we do that if, if we're only together short periods and maybe some people are, 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 are remote? Um, fabulous as it is, um, and I'll go back to what I was saying earlier on, environmentally, we know we have to do this. We have to do this because this is a way of solving a big environmental problem, but it's gonna require um, really new thinking and, and new ways of getting organizations to work and all the presumptions, all the defaults that we had for how we achieve success, I think is going to be rewritten. There seems to be uh, a new pressure on the workplace. Uh, there, there may now be more weight, more responsibility on that place for us because as Jerry was mentioning, wellness and well-being, the office used to be seen as as a culprit, as, as a as the, the sort of um, as the Disney villain, if you like, of some of that stress and that strain. Um, but I think now, due to people craving connecting and collaborating with their colleagues, it can be seen as a remedy 
it can be seen as that Disney hero, um, a space in which we can design properly um, for, for, for to be that remedy to wellness. And okay, as product designers, we can certainly help. Um, but really, it's, it's, it's organizations at least putting that on the table and discussing it with, with, with their teams internally. Um, you know, we can design all the products that we, we want. Architects can design the spaces. But it's really those organizations and those, those sort of property managers, states managers to, 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 to really see the value in that, that, that the workplace can play a huge role um, now in, in, in achieving the correct balance. Gentlemen, this has been a lovely, lovely conversation, which could go on forever and ever. But since we must draw it to a close, I'd love to ask both of you to, is there something that we haven't mentioned that you think is critically important that be heard or any final, final bits of wisdom you'd like to share? Well, one thing I would say, um, Caroline, because you, you were sort of touching upon you know, how may spaces start to shape up. And Jerry had a really good insight in that, you know, look, we, we, we need that space because we're a little unsure. You know, we, we need some of that margin so that we can grow or flex or contract. And, and it gives us that great flexibility. One thing that I would say, I, I spent two years um, researching the world of higher education and our university campuses. And I would say, let's have a little look in those environments because they've been activity-based learning for a lot longer than we've been activity-based working. Um, due to, with the last financial crisis in 2008, lots of quantitative easing uh, uh, in, in, in lots of different industries, but not the world of higher education. So they stormed ahead in regards to their investment in space. Um, and they, they, they've done a wonderful job of, of, of creating all of these typologies and wonderful ways in which they can connect students. And maybe the workplace of the future is, is something that reflects some of those learning campuses. So, so maybe a little place we could look. And, and I think for me, I think I'll go back to what I said. I, let's not waste the gift that we've been given from this forced absence from the workplace so that when we come back into the workplace, and it's going to change because if an organization needed this amount of property within the portfolio, that's changing. So change is going to happen. And um, my, my plea is that we have to recognize this is a gift and we have to use this gift with intelligence and wisdom because it will evaporate really quickly if we don't, I think. Thank you very much. Jerry Taylor and Nathan Hurley from Orange Box, we've been privileged to have some time with you. There will be a transcript of this recording on, the, on our webpage. So in case you wanted a translation from either Mr. Taylor or Mr. Hurley's comments, you'll be able to read that. And you'll, the podcast is available on all the streaming services and we will look forward to what the world will bring hopefully with the optimism and opportunity that our friends have shared with us today. 